the Bible tells us here we're not to have words that hurt, but what is good for necessary edification. We're to edify, we're to impart grace to the hearers. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. All right, we're in uh, Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to finish out the chapter beginning in verse 25 through 32 today. And we have very proverbial type sayings here that Paul gives us here in Ephesians 4 because in this section he has the negative, what we're not supposed to do, by following up with the positive, what we are to be doing as believers. The third thing that he deals with in verse 28, he says, Let him in stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. So it appears that in the church of Ephesus, the culture of the Greeks back then, that thievery was just kind of, that's what they did. And Paul said, as believers, you don't do that anymore. In fact, get a job. Work with your hands. Make sure it's a good job. I know there's a lot of people, I'd love to have a good job right now, but I don't think he's saying get a good job. I think he's working with your hands what is good. Verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed from your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. We began in verse 25 with putting away lying, but there is that of corrupt communications. Instantly, we can think of cussing. I was out um, in the yard this week, and I heard one of the teenage boys, after the second time he let a cuss word fly, and the second word was stronger, in emphasis than the first, I turned around and I yelled across four yards, hey, watch the mouth. Okay. And he turned around and walked away. And he was probably a freshman. And, you know, I think about the children in our neighborhood. This is our neighborhood. And I don't want to hear words like that flying about, even if it's kids out there. And it's not the first time that I've I've, uh, challenged some of the language in our neighborhood with the kids as they're playing in the backyards back there. That just irks me. I don't want to hear it. I don't want it to be in my home. I don't want it to be outside my home. But there's other words, you know, there's other things that me and my cousin, we were just bad or good. I don't know. 
if I was to tell this story that we were good about jesting with each other, we could cut each other down in a heartbeat. You know, we could say something, and, and if, it, if you put it out there, I would chop you down on it or vice versa. And we would laugh about it. It was coarse jesting, and we got very good at it. But it's not a very good thing for Christians to do. We actually, several years ago, I, in our men's uh, breakfast, I mean, we're talking maybe 10 years ago, I dealt with the subject of the coarse humor that was going around the fellowship, that it, it just wasn't right. And people were, on the one side, like me and my cousin, we were always joking. It never offended, never hurt us. But other people don't always know that. They don't understand it. And our words can hurt. And the Bible tells us here we're not to have words that hurt, but what is good for necessary edification. We're to edify, we're to impart grace to the hearers, not to tear down. And so our words, our communication, how we say things, and, you know, we can slander people, we can uh, joke with people and, and actually cause pain when we, one side it could be, uh, an innocent thing. We didn't mean to make someone, and, and that coarse joking, sometimes you're making the person the, uh, the butt of the joke in the sense that they're the target of the joke. That's why when Gail Irwin, the Calvary Chapel pastor at large, he speaks at all these conferences, but he says, when I cut down someone in the sense, he goes, I never talk about anybody else, but I do it to myself. In front of people, if I'm going to make an example where someone's the bad end of something, it's always me that I'm making the example of, and I'm not pointing out anyone else. And he kind of turns it inward to that he can teach, but through the teaching, use the example that imparts what is good for necessary edification of building up of the people and, and imparting grace to the hearers. And so our words, we know that words can hurt. Words can destroy. I think sometimes words, thinking past teenage years, getting in fights and stuff, you know, I don't even remember some of the people I got in physical fights with, but I do remember words that were said. Isn't it interesting that words can have a far greater impact sometimes than sometimes you just fight and it's done with and it's over. But a word can be said, a, a phrase can be said, a Something can be said that can stick with you for a long time in Colossians. And I refer to Colossians a couple of times here, and Paul is writing to the believers there in Colossae, and he's writing to the believers in Ephesus, and he's kind of repeating some of the same things, but he's writing to two different churches. But it's the same Spirit of God who's teaching through him. And in Colossians 4, 6, he says, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. And so no corrupt words, the negative, but words that impart grace and edification to the believers. Verse 30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. To grieve, to cause someone uh, great remorse or pain. And here it's the Holy Spirit of God that we are not to grieve. And, and so taking the verses before and taking the verses after, we have this list of the negatives. All these negatives are things that grieve the Holy Spirit of God. It's a word that means to uh, wound, to insult. 
one of the Bible commentators, he said, it's a word, he, defining the word itself, the Greek word to grieve, he says, it, it is bringing heavy blows of affliction upon someone. And so we don't want to grieve the Spirit of God. We have been sealed by the Spirit of God. That's back in chapter 1, where we learned that we have been sealed. We like that verse in chapter 1, that the Holy Spirit has sealed us. Verse 13, in him, Christ, you have also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom you have believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. It's speaking about that seal to the day of redemption until we're in heaven, until we've been redeemed, until this old body that is going to put off this immortality for mortality. It's the Holy Spirit that does this work in our lives. We love the fact that the Lord has sealed us unto the day of our redemption. And the Bible here is telling us then we should not want to grieve the Holy Spirit of God who is going to be part of that redemptive process. He's working in our lives right now, but one day he is going to be bringing about this body going from immortality to, I got that reversed, mortality to immortality. It tells us of Israel in Psalm 78:40 how often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. I think grieving the Holy Spirit, we limit God's ability, His work in our lives when we grieve the Holy Spirit. To the church of Thessalonica, Paul simply said in, in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Spirit. And I think when we grieve the Holy Spirit of God, we quench the Spirit of God in our lives. The Holy Spirit of God, He is our seal until the day of redemption. And it tells us in Romans 8.11, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give lives to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. And so it's the Holy Spirit from mortality for us, I had it backwards several times before, to immortality. That if we are going to live forever, to have everlasting life because of our faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is in us now, working in our lives. But one day, He will be working to bring us into everlasting life. That is someone I wouldn't want to grieve. You know, if somebody's working in the positive in behalf of your life, you just don't want to mess with them. You don't want to get them angry at you. One of the commentators said that there's even the danger that your grieving of the Holy Spirit could prevent your day of redemption, prevent you from being redeemed. I don't know if I totally agree with that statement, but it's something to ponder. And so for the negative, verse 31, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And so here's the negative. Six things he lists out for us here. That all bitterness, we could say all wrath, all anger, all clamor, all evil speaking, all malice, they're to be put away from us. They're not to be part of our lives. The, that of wrath, a burst of rage or violent passion or 
our temper tantrums. We see that, we think of that with kids, right? Temper tantrums. But I've seen adults do it too. They have their temper tantrums. It's wrath. It's, it's an outburst of wrath. All anger, uh, animosity, hostility that we could have toward someone. Clamor, it's a loud outcry. This definition that I read, brawling, um, shouting down an opponent. I've been there. I've done that. I've gotten into, when I was in the trades, man, I would get, say, nose to nose. I was thinking about one guy who was about 6'6", so I was looking up at him, but I did not back down from him. And I even chased him down three flights of stairs. And I was yelling at him the whole time I was chasing him down those stairs as he was trying to get away from me as his boss. Man, I couldn't help but think about that, this definition of clamor, shouting down an opponent. I've done that before. And it makes me question whether I was in the right or not when I did that. I felt I was, but to be controlled. All evil speaking, insulting language, we talked about that, slander, abusive speech. There's a lot of things that we can do with our word. That's why James talked about the tongue there in his epistle, how dangerous it can be. And all malice, uh, wishing evil upon someone, spite or meanness. All these things are to be put away from us as believers. These are things that grieve the Holy Spirit of God who has sealed us for the coming day of redemption. On the other side, the positive, the last verse in verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. So this is how we are to be. We're to be kind. We're to be um, unselfish. It's speaking about one of the definitions. I like this that I read. It was an unselfish concern for the welfare of others, a desire to be helpful even at great personal sacrifice, to be kind even if it costs, a desire to be concerned for the welfare of others. Be tender-hearted. It's talking about being sympathetic, affectionate, or compassionate, a willingness to bear the burdens of others, uh, forgiving one another. Now, we know forgiveness to pardon someone's offense toward us, but he counters that by saying, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Why should we be these things? Because we have been redeemed. Why should we be these things? Because Christ has forgiven us. Why should we do these things? Well, because we're representing Christ who is our head. Christ forgiving us. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, we know that prayer. Our Father which art in heaven. Found there in Matthew chapter 6. And that line that says in verse 12, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Be forgiving. You know, it's the only line of the prayer that Jesus made commentary to. All the other things he talked about, you know, protecting us from the evil one or how will it be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done. He didn't make commentary on any of those other things, but the one on forgiveness because Christ knows our nature. We pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then he went on to say after the amen, in verses 14 and 15 of Matthew 6, For if we forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. 
pretty good reason why we should be forgiven. Another list that comes from Colossians 3.12, and it's one of these lists that we should do as believers. It says, therefore, and it's verses 12 and 13, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bear with one another, and forgive one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. We're to be forgiving. It's to be part of our nature because Christ has forgiven us. Today, I just saw them as proverbial type statements because you had this negative and this positive running through these different verses, and they moved through different themes. And he went and began with lying and went to anger to those who used to be thieves and then went on that list of bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, All these negatives grieve the Holy Spirit of God. But on the other side, the positive side, they bring delight to the Spirit of God. I believe any believer who would try to live in this fashion, God would bless our lives. I believe us as a church, if we would want to operate in this fashion, in this standard, that we would become a strong fellowship that would, instead of grieving the Holy Spirit of God, we would cause the Holy Spirit to rejoice over us and to have great delight. Now, think about the Spirit of God rejoicing over this house. Do you think he would attract some attention to us in some way? I think the Lord would love to do great work in our lives. I think sometimes, perhaps, we've been in the place of grieving the Spirit of God instead of causing the Spirit of God to rejoice. I know that I have been guilty of grieving the Spirit of God. And I also know that I don't want to be guilty of this. So we could say, what do we do? Well, I'll try to do better. I will. So will you. But that usually doesn't get it done, does it? What we need to do is to seek not only the forgiveness, if need be, asking the Lord to forgive us, to uh, wash us once again, but it's the Spirit who is in us. We need to seek His help, saying, Lord, it could be that one of these areas, that's your deal. That was part of the old life, and you just say, Lord, that was part of my old life. Take that away. I know it's been grieving you. Help me with this. You know, I had a a mouth that when I was a teenager, I had the habit of, because my dad was a pastor, I would swear in my mind, but usually it didn't come out. Push me hard enough, it could come out. Injure me, wound me. Probably one of the worst things I ever said to someone was when they stabbed me with a knife in my hand. I mean, they... They stabbed me, you know. There was going to be some kind of response. But it was a word that I've, I've never called anybody before. I would never use again. In fact, this week, that kid in the neighborhood was using the same word, and I told him to watch his mouth. I hate that word. And yet it came out of me. And so that was in me. And so I began to pray and ask the Lord to, to kind of wash this out of me. And one day, like a year and a half later, 
with a hammer in my right hand and holding a nail in my left hand, I hit the wrong nail. I ripped my thumbnail off, and, and no cuss word came out of my mouth. I was actually happy. I was in pain, but it was a, a happy pain because the Lord had done a work in me. When I ask the Lord to do something, I'm usually asking the Lord, Lord, just like magic, would you just take this from me that it will never be a problem with me again? And the Lord says, no, John, what I'm going to do is I'm going to work you through this. It's going to take a little while. Hang in with me. Stay in the Word. Stay faithful. Keep praying, and we'll get this thing done. And I believe the Lord got it done. That was one of the areas that I struggled in. Now I worry about the replacement words that come out of my mouth sometimes. You know, I'm not cussing, but it's a word that even Lily got on me a few years ago and said, you've been saying that word a little too much. You know, it's something I, I wouldn't say in front of my grandchildren. And so we ask the Lord to help us through. He's in us to help us. Maybe it's anger that you deal with. Maybe... It's being a thief, and there's so many ways of being a thief today. Let him who steals, steal no more. Maybe it's corrupt communication, and you just have a way of saying things that is hurtful to people, and you don't, the Lord's saying, you don't need to do that. It's grieving me. I want you to put that down today. I want you to ask me to help you. I can forgive you, but I need to help you through it. Maybe it is bitterness or wrath or clamor or evil speaking or malice. These are the things that grieve the Spirit of God. These are the things that God wants out of us. And His Spirit is available to help us. We need to just seek forgiveness and ask the Lord to work with us, to cleanse us. Maybe the Lord will, for you, He'll magically, this is what you used to be, you used to do this, you don't do it anymore. I'm just going to cleanse you of that. Sometimes the Lord does that. Sometimes he has to do it. I asked my son with the drinking and the drugs, as we know it, there's been such a change so dramatically in his life, and it was so quick. I asked him at one point, like a year and a half later, I said, what about the desires? I mean, he was using drugs that would keep you wanting to use them. And he says, I don't have those desires anymore. But on the other side... Um, he got in a situation where his in-laws that live on the island, they pretty heavy drinkers, and uh, on a very hot day, usually in Hawaii, all, all days are hot, but there was a day where, you know, he just needed to leave. It was an influence that he knew that could pull him backwards in the old life, and he, he said, he told his wife, Catherine, he said, Man, he goes, this is getting hard on me. And she goes, well, let's leave then. And they did. They walked away from it. And so you have to learn how to, what your limits are and, and, and not expose yourself to give a place for Satan to pull you down again. And so God can do it instantly. And I believe he does it for many and for us in many different ways. Sometimes I believe he has to work it out because when he works it out, he makes us stronger through the process. I want us to be a people that no longer desire to grieve the Holy Spirit. I know we don't have that desire, but our actions cause the grief. I would rather cause 
the Holy Spirit of God to be delighted in my actions and in my character, that his blessings would be upon us as a fellowship, as individuals. Father, thank you for your word. It's a challenge to us, Lord, because in many of these areas we can be guilty. And forgive us, Lord, where we have grieved you in times past. And I pray, Lord, that in this fellowship today, as you deal with our hearts, Lord, that those who would just want to, even right now as I'm praying, Lord, whatever the situation that your spirit is pricking their hearts, saying, Lord, to that individual, this grieves me, that that individual would now say, forgive me for grieving you. Cover me, Lord, of this sin. Let me have forgiveness again and help me in this area that I'd no longer grieve you. Father, let us put on the positive that we've read about today and put off these negatives. Put them off as an old jacket that we don't want to wear any longer and to put on the new man, the new woman has been formed through Christ in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray that God would bless you and that he would keep you, that his grace would shine upon you and give you peace. God bless. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. And let God...